Just dip in my toe. A splish splash. I wish that there was a way to dismantle the system without violence. Did you say school counselors? Let's uh Let's let's get to let's get to the bottom of our of our souls here in the basement of our souls. I don't want them to be like Orwellian villains. How would you describe your time relative okay. to yourself? Um, do you believe in aliens though? Now I just want to breathe into the mic. <laughs> let's do it together. One, two, three. Hi. Hi. My name is Nat. My name is Chase. And we are in. The, the community, community park. park specifically we're coming at you recording here live in liberty park and uh we're here with a friend of the park hey it's me ronnie wright hi, hi. ronnie hi ronnie <laughs> thank you for joining us today my pleasure absolutely we love having our friends here with us uh well it is us queers favorite time of year Oh, it must be that gay month. Yeah, the six. That six month. Gross. It's Pride Month. It's Pride Month. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we're here to talk about, about queerness. Um, Chase, why, why is this topic important to you? Why this topic? Why now? Well, as we just said, it's Pride Month. And... Um, we need to talk about uh, we need we need to talk about being queer, you and I, with Ronnie. All, all we all need to talk about being queer. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> I'm at a loss of words. It's just so important to me. Uh, I have so much I want to say. It's all getting jumbled. It's all in the soup. It's all in the soup. And we'll get to it all. We'll get to it all. Um, yeah, I, th- I think it's important that we talk about this now. I mean, I can't point to a time in history when there wasn't unrightful demonization of queer people. But especially right now, it's kind of a hot topic. And during Pride Month of all times, bleh. Yeah, not during Pride Month. Never. Never. Homophobes. No way. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we're uh, we're excited to we're excited to hopefully shed some light on this topic, which can be such a buzz uh, like buzzword topic for so many people. Um, so either of you, feel free to answer. What does it mean to you to be queer? Um. Yeah, I'll go. Um. So to me, to be queer is to be different or weird, Mm. Uh, specifically different or weird from the Christo-fascist heteronormative society that we exist in today. Um, So to be anything outside of that is queer to me. Did it just get hot in the park? No, it actually <laughs> feels quite nice to me. Yeah. <laughs> Good to get that off your chest. Something. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, like, yeah, like, it's pretty broad uh, to be queer, but also it's supposed to be broad. Totally. Do you have any thoughts on that as well? I would just echo that. I think uh, 
um, I heard a conversation from some people earlier that they were talking about how um, if, if you never act differently you'll never see a different side of yourself kind of that's what I heard it was being described differently but um, that's been my experience I guess it's like it's so much easier to act the status quo of whatever the social norms are within the social circles that you're in Mm. and um, if you never explore yourself if you never have space to explore yourself then then it's it's gonna be hard to to even discover those things about yourself um, right but I would just say yeah just being different not being afraid to be different is what queer means to me I love that yeah I mean big just big snap energy to both of you uh, <laughs> I wholeheartedly agree with that it makes me think of like the way that we used to use queer uh, where it, exactly it was used to describe something that's like outside of the expected outside of the norm and uh, so much of queerness is tied up in you know stopping to present the way that people expect you to and allowing yourself to like stand in your own truth yeah exactly what you both said I think we're all talking about the same thing totally which is nice to like have a an agreed understanding about what we're talking about. Yeah, we don't need to debate the definition. <laughs> we will makes make progress. Yeah, we will. It makes me feel so good. <laughs> so why is this topic important to you two? Um at least for me, I would say I know what it feels like to be closeted. Not not in maybe the traditional way, but like I've never identified as a uh, faith, a guy, a man of faith, I guess. Um, sure. But maybe more specifically uh, in terms of religion, that just never really jived with me. And um, fortunately, I, I grew up in a, in a household that was a very understanding of that. Like, mm -hmm. uh, obviously, there was some pressures because this, the beliefs were strong. You know, like they mm -hmm. didn't want to lose me as part of their family and I get that right. but, but uh -huh. it, they, what they probably didn't understand is that put a lot of pressure on me to not be myself mm. and so that's why this conversation is important to me is anyone who doesn't feel like they can anyone whose barometer isn't working is sick <laughs> so uh, <laughs> hell yeah that's why it's important to me I love that absolutely why is it important to you Nat? I mean, it's it's important to me, like, like we, like I said at the beginning, this this topic becomes so polarized and is so deeply steeped in bias and propaganda of people fearing something outside of themselves. And to put on my tinfoil hat for a moment, fear is an easy emotion to manipulate, and so it serves. A group of people I will let you draw that conclusion of who it serves them if we are afraid of each other because if we're divided we're much easily much more easily conquerable yeah. to me the importance of queerness is being able to shine a light through all of the masking and falsehood that we present to be acceptable to be normal and not a social outcast when in reality, the thing that makes us each beautiful is 
what makes us different. Our difference is where we find our beauty and our strength. And it took me most of my life to realize that and to really accept that into my heart. And now it feels like a personal mission to allow that, that privilege of being able to shed those biases to others. Yeah. Yeah, do you have any thoughts on that as well? Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty basic, but I just want more queer things, more, more queer media. Mm-hmm. If it's a little queer, I want it to be extra queer. Yeah, queen. So just give me more of it, please. <laughs> and that's important. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what is your history with queerness? Well, uh, growing up religious, it was, it was taught to me as a bad thing. Um, that's my history of it. The first time it was, uh, it was something to avoid. It was uh, cause for eternal damnation. Um, my first like real life experience of it. I just met a person (laughs) (laughs) and they were fine like you know they were just a a, a normal person and uh and then uh there was this New Year's Eve party this one year Mm -hmm. and this boy was like who wants a kiss and I was like me (laughs) so he gave me a big old smoocher and then he said um hey, these lips have kissed a lot of people here. And I felt like something in my, in my, in my heart that was like jealousy. I was, I was jealous that this boy had just been kissing all these folks mm-hmm. and I wanted to be that person. <laughs> Who doesn't? I know. And then, um, yeah, it's just been pretty uh, low-key, I guess is the way I would describe it. Um, You know, just like discovering more about myself. It's like, yes, I understand now why my mom had always made the joke that she raised the perfect daughter. It made zero sense to me as a kid, but like, (laughs) oh, because I'm I'm actually just non-binary. Right. So she was saying that about you? Right. You were the perfect daughter? Right. All right, mom. <laughs> I know. And like, it, I thought it was cute and silly, but like, it makes sense now, like looking back as an adult. Right. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my history. Does of your it. mom have other daughters? Yes. My mom has. How do they feel about you being the perfect daughter? <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're jealous, <laughs> but I mean, there's lots of reasons to be jealous, but I, Keep telling her it's fine. <laughs> yeah, it ain't nothing but I'm a perfect, thing. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, that's like what an like unexpected allyship. <laughs> <laughs> truly. Yeah. Truly. That's amazing. Yeah. Is mom hip to queer culture? Or? Mom is a uh, mom's pretty hip as long as dad's not around. Ah, fair. So dad's still not hip. Yeah, dad's not hip. When I was, like, uh, you know, like, expressing my true self with my family, my dad said, um, 
or the conversation went something like, hey, dad, I don't feel completely like a man. Like, I don't think I'm a man. And he says, yes, you are. And uh, it was a pretty short conversation. Mm. But um, he's not hip like mom is, that's for sure. I feel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, that's basically my history of it. What's the queer history of both of you? Sure. Um, I, I, I guess we'll, we'll specify when it comes, what, uh, what we're meaning by queer, I, I think. Sure. Yeah. Uh, like, what was my first experience with homosexuality mm. and transgender and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say very similar to what Chase described, like, <laughs> it's not natural is how it was, you know, pr- pitched to me. Right. Um, and uh, if you find yourself entertaining these ideas, that's the devil talking to you, you know, like. That's scary. Trying to, yeah, trying to seduce you into a, a lifestyle that isn't right. Uh, so, and me being hetero, heterosexual, I would identify my, as he, him. Um, it wasn't a big issue to me. I was like, okay, whatever. Like, <laughs> you know, but sure. I was always, I was always a little bit different as a child. Um, but when I grew up, boys were very attracted to me and were not afraid to share that with me. <laughs> yeah. So I was hit on often. Um, and that was probably the first time that like I started to open my mind to it was because I got to see people being vulnerable because like I was never I wasn't interested um, in the same way but I was interested in them wanting to express these feelings to me so that kind of gave me a window or a space to explore it um, that I wouldn't I'd never had before that I didn't have any gay friends or uh, relatives or anything like that that I could talk to about it so mm-hmm. mine was just like well here here's some attraction for you like what are you going to do with it um, so and, and I've always been very like exploratory in that way I've never been like afraid uh, maybe early on as a child like <laughs> in certain social circles definitely there was like fear of retaliation of me trying to explore those ideas but sure um, much later on and definitely I would have to say it feels like it's gotten much more the conversation is much more free and open um, but yeah that was probably my first experience with it is is just like <laughs> I no one to guide me I guess <laughs> no, totally. no, no confidences I, I had to navigate it in in the raw wild like these were strangers, basically, that were, like, showing affection and um, piqued my interest. So uh, I, I changed my perception about who these people were and right. uh, helped me identify more closely with them, I guess, in the end. Yeah, yeah. just just raw dog and your gender and sexual expression. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kind of, yeah. It's not like how I would say it. It's <laughs> how I would, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, there's definitely no one was like, I, I, I couldn't be like, hey, friend, who I know is gay, like, this person hit on me, like, how do I, how do I, how do I navigate this? It was like, you know, hey, straight friends, like, 
no conversation. <laughs> right, like they don't want to talk about right. it. Yeah. And if and if it ever was brought up, it was like, oh yeah, that's funny. <laughs> right. It but. was never like taken as like a sincere interaction, or it was yeah. like something to be made fun of. Right. That must have been confusing. Those silly queers. Oh my god. Right. <laughs> oh, I mean, I, I definitely felt both of that, uh, both of your experiences. Um, yeah, I grew up like in like a weird middle child position. So I was often just kind of ignored. <laughs> and so me by myself, like I was friends with all the girls in the neighborhood. I loved to play house and like do that stuff. Uh, like be, be effeminate. And when the boys, especially my older brothers and the older boys in the neighborhood found out about that, they threw just about every slur at me you can imagine. Um, and so I was like taught from a young age that it's not acceptable to be myself. It's not okay, like I'm wrong for this way that I want to be. Mm. And so I learned to mask and I participated in toxic masculinity. Like I, I did all of the shitty toxic things because I wanted to be accepted. I didn't want to be a social outcast. I so deeply desired the affirmation of my peers and you my family. You wanted that mask to be strong too. Like no one would ever question it. Yeah. Well, if he's being, you know, toxic masculinity, then he must not be. Of course he is, in fact. Yeah. <laughs> That's how that game works. It's <laughs> right. vicious. Totally. And, and intentionally so, because if we can like indoctrinate children, the irony that they think queers are trying to indoctrinate children. I was indoctrinated into the cult of toxic masculinity from the first time I was hit in the face. The first time I was called, and I'm sorry for saying this, called a f by the people who lived next door or by the people who lived across the hall from me. I was indoctrinated into a system that serves no one but those who want to see us divided and afraid to show our truest selves. And so I did it, and I, I was a shitty mask person, like masculine. Um, I was a shitty mask person. I tried to, like, you know, go to the gym and, like, be a, be a beefy boy, like, so I can hang out with my bros and play sports. And it never felt genuine. It always felt disingenuous. It, it was always a performance. Uh, I've been acting my whole life. The irony of being an actor now and trying not to put on a facade <laughs> um, <laughs> right? Uh, but then fortunately, some of my friends got me to audition for theater in high school. And that started to give me a sense of community that wasn't based in like how well I could play ball. It was like, who are you and how do you mesh? And like that mask started to slip a little bit. And I still participated in those shitty systems because they're deeply ingrained and it's a lifelong practice to be able to unprogram that. But uh, yeah, then it was uh, in 2019, I moved to New York. Um, and, and something that I think is like specific to Utah culture that I think you two will identify with is this, this fear of perception, of being perceived in a negative light. Ooh. We have such a shame-based society here. And I'm sure that's not unique to Utah, but it is deeply steeped here. And so even when I was like starting to explore my, you know, I wouldn't even call it gender fluidity at the time, but just like being a little more effeminate. Like I don't need to constantly be, be butch boy, you know? Right. 
like I would be on public transit with eight other people and be getting looks because I'm not wearing, you know, like a plaid polo and khakis. (laughs) (laughs) That's your butch boy. I love it. (laughs) Yeah, right? Uh, Because I was dressing even just like moderately effeminately. And uh, then when I moved to New York and I'm reliant on public transit, I'm, instead of being with like eight people who I'm worried about their perception, now I'm on the subway with like at least a hundred people in this subway car and I'm just having a panic attack because I'm like, all of them hate me personally. (laughs) And the beautiful thing about New York, as opposed to other cultures that I've been a part of, is that in the most loving way, no one gives a shit. Be yourself, just don't hurt anybody. And people will applaud you, like you'll be able to find your community. So I was super stressed out living in New York And uh, then this little thing happened. You might have heard of it, the global pandemic. Uh, I've never heard of her. (laughs) Yeah. New DS Who phone. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) And uh, Chase and I were living together in New York with another person, uh, my ex-partner. And it was just the three of us in this 400 square foot apartment and we only left for groceries and laundry like once a week. So it was like three months of unadulterated alone time. (laughs) It was madness. (laughs) I felt like I was going crazy. But um, once, once I was no longer actively afraid of being perceived, I'm living with two people who I feel like generally pretty safe with. I started to really recognize that deep set, like messy knot of anxiety. And I started to like want to question it. And I was like, okay, so I don't need to be any one way. So if that is the fear, if people thinking that I am one way or not liking the way that I am, if I can shed that, like what am I? What is underneath all of this? And it was like a domino effect. Like so quickly, I was like, I'm non-binary, I'm, I'm pansexual. Like all of these things which have been deep truths to the core of my being since I was a child, suddenly were just allowed to shine through. I, I stopped hiding my light under a bushel, as my grandmother would say. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> uh, I love that. I have, to, I have to add my own to this. Yeah, please. So this phase that you're talking about, or this this space that you're talking about mm-hmm. is better put. Carrie and I like to call go walkabout, and okay, and it, go walkabout. Well, so you probably already know what this is. You know, it's it's Aboriginal and it's it's okay. a period of time where uh, the individuals at a certain age, you know, a certain maturity, go and live by themselves to find themselves. Okay. So Rumspringa. <laughs> So this happened to me, and this is this is like the way, the way you, when you were articulating this, I remember thinking that's exactly what you know, and it's kind of we almost preach it a little bit, like as <laughs> like a principle of life. Totally. Um, but I, when I first moved out uh, from my parents' home, I moved in with complete strangers, so I had zero social life basically for the most part. I worked, and I uh, so I'll describe the living circumstances so mm-hmm. it gives context, but. Um, I moved into a, a townhouse out in uh, West North Salt Lake, and there was three other people that lived there, and they were all older. They were like at least like ten or so years older than I was. So mm-hmm. okay. it wasn't even like going to be a chance of 
well, I shouldn't say that, but it was unlikely that we were going to find a uh, common ground to chat about. Sure. Neither that, but also those people were quite reclusive in themselves. So I, I had this period where I got to like just sit with my thoughts. Mm. Zero uh, other outside social influence except for, you know, the things that I had to do. So I had a lot of time to just myself. Mm -hmm. I think that was key in my discovering who who are you? You know, like right. like find yourself. Find out who you really are. And and it doesn't necessarily you don't necessarily need to be alone to do that, but have give yourself space to find that. Anyway, just needed to add on to that. No, absolutely. And I'm <laughs> I'm glad you said that because it is like it is a privilege. Um, and it's a weird thing to say, like, I'm privileged because of the pandemic, but because I was able to be in a space where I was with people who would hold space for me with love and just acceptance, I was able to let down this guard, this mask that I'd held onto, like I said, from the first time I got punched in the face, um, I was able to release this and feel safe and loved and like really seen, which I had never experienced before. I, I think it's, again, part of the reason why I like acting is because I get to put on other people's skin and like that's always kind of felt like what I've been doing my whole life anyway. And so this sense of like my true self was so raw and messy and it, it was just like jagged edges, but like allowing myself to release into that and soothe those edges with love and acceptance has just like radically changed every viewpoint I've had about the world. Everything that I thought was truth was thrown under scrutiny and rightfully so. And I feel more connected to myself and, and to a real community now more than I ever have in my life. Are you acting right now? Uh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> That's <was> good. Thank <laughs> you. That was so gay of you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we we talked a little bit about like family, uh, like reception, like as as we've been stepping into our truest self. Like, what what has your reception been from the people around you, from your community? Um, the girls and the gays have always been nice and great. We love the femmes and the thems. <sighs> it's difficult mm -hmm. um, with with these men. Um, it's uh, I'm trying to find the words so it doesn't sound like I'm just shitting on men because that's not what I'm trying to do. Mm -hmm. But I am trying to say that it is mostly men that have the hardest time um, existing in the same space as queer folks. Specifically me, um, from my experience of it all. Sure. It's... It's been all right. Yeah. Yeah. The reception of it all. Uh, the people close to me uh, accepting some shunning my queerness, but it's... You know, it comes in waves or the seasons. Uh, right. No, yeah. totally. There's parts to it. 
<laughs> it's complex. It's never simple. No, it's not. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Well, first, I'm sorry that there's influences in your life that are not completely accepting. Uh, Thanks. Yeah, I, I, I ha obviously have a much different experience as uh, I continue to identify as he, him, which is that status quo uh, social norm, or has been at least. <laughs> we love the part. This guy's got me. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I had a really poignant moment. Um, in 2012, when Prop 8 was kind of teetering on whether or not it was going to pass. Mm -hmm. And I had a really interesting conversation, at least with my family, because I know them to be very open-hearted, open-minded individuals. And they would never shame anyone for being any one gender. Mm -hmm. um, but we were talking, and they, were, they expressed that they had voted against it because the church or the prophet told them to essentially so right. and I challenged them on it because I was like this was at the height of my discovery of like my love for gender fluidity mm -hmm. and and I was like kind of a little bit combative <laughs> and someone who I thought had already kind of seen this picture was expressing ideas that weren't uh, that didn't align with what I assumed her behavior would be. Mm. And so, like, we got really challenging on, on this. Like, well, I know you would never, like, actively in front of someone vote against them. Like, why are you doing this now? And it wasn't a good answer, so... Mm. <laughs> it, it was interesting from, you know, coming from that, which was, like, I... <laughs> Let's talk about this. I a little bit want to, like shame on you now <laughs> but, <laughs> right but um i know in their hearts that that's not how they felt and and so it was curious that that's still what their behavior was even though i know that in their hearts they probably didn't feel it was right sure so so it was, it's weird to have come from there now to what i would still say is hard to accept in their lives like mm -hmm. you know obviously for me I'm completely accepted of it and and I feel like I'm part of the culture mm -hmm. um, <laughs> my dad's brother came out recently and I, I wasn't there for the moment or like the conversation so I didn't really know exactly what happened but it was expressed as if like oh well we still accept you like even though you know like you're you're living incorrectly uh, and it was like weird. It was like, what? Kind of <laughs> like assimilationist. Well, and they, so my mom, so this is the way it was brought up. So context for, for this. Um, yes. I, uh, we were there one day for some holiday, whatever, you know, we get together for an hour, a couple hours to have dinner or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yum. And it, either before or after the conversation, it was shared with me. I think it was, my mom like basically was like, oh yeah. And did you hear that Carrie came out? Almost, almost like trying to like well what how's he gonna react is he gonna be like really well that's a shocker and right. i was like thank god and that was my and and then i was like dad <laughs> you know, how do you feel about this so i was very curious to see how how you know it was being received then because that was the most mm -hmm. authentic i was going to be able to get with them and my dad just said you know i love my brother like he he is always going to be a better man than i am 
Oh. And I was like, that was cool. That was cool, but I was like, that's tender. Why am I crying? <laughs> yeah, that gave me chills. Oh my god. So, and my dad has really been like uh, a progressive individual. Um, so, shout out to you, pops. Shout out, pops. Hey. Loving that. Mom, you too. Love mom. you, mom. <laughs> yeah. But mom. Anyway. Uh, so it it it's been good to see that like as the conversation continues or or as the culture continues to be given more of a voice there's mm-hmm. more, like it does seem like there's more space made for people to be more understanding of it so totally pride yeah pride yeah absolutely i love that i i love the unexpected allyship when i mean society's kind of like primed us to expect adversity to expect expect violence in these moments and then when someone like you're allowing you're inviting them in and then they are like thank you i want to hold this space i want to give you even more space now for you to be yourself and be loved that's so fucking powerful oh my god (laughs) it's so powerful yeah um like how powerful is that representation and uh, transparency I mean I, th- I think that it's like the most important thing um, and a- at least to myself I see it as as my duty to be out and proud to live my life loudly and with love um, and I don't say this to discredit the queer media that has always existed because it's always been around but for most of my life it wasn't accessible um either i didn't know about it or like i would have been ostracized for participating in it um and so i didn't have a good role model i didn't have an example of of how to be my unadulterated self how to be truest to the loving me that has always been inside um, and I think the part of it comes from, and I saw this very powerful image. It was shared uh, by Feminism on Instagram, and it was the uh, San Francisco Gay Men's Choir. And I believe it was like 115 members of the choir, right? And all but five of them are in black, and then those five are in white. And it was to represent the original members of the choir. The five people in white were the only people who survived the AIDS epidemic. And so when people wow. talk about why is this, there this sudden influx of like queerness in children, we're trying to get them, da-da-da-da-da. No, we've always been here. We were just allowed to die. And so as an adult now, seeing this generation of children who fortunately there is much more queer media around but is so actively under fire the transparency of my life the transparency of me being my truest self to hopefully give that permission and hold that space for another queer kid who's being punched in the face giving them the space to be themselves and love themselves and feel love in return that's like the most powerful activism I can think of is radical love and self-acceptance. And that's why I think transparency is the key to all of this. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, to keep going off of what you said, it's 
I think it's important to have that representation because it's hard to see what it's like to be a queer old person. Um, <laughs> you know, like... Right. I know I've, I've said this to you before, but, like, being queer is the least interesting thing about me. But also, it's, like, a big part of me, so it's, like... I, I want to see a future where I can be an old person and be an uninteresting queer person and just be old and live out my life. Right. But it's hard to see that representation when um, queer folks keep dying. Right? There's not a lot of strong examples. Nope. And again, that's not to discredit the queer people who have survived and are telling their stories. I'm discrediting you. (laughs) (laughs) You bigot. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Like, but the transparency, like we need to share our stories. We need to amplify the voices of other queer people. And most importantly, get it through to the kids, get it through to the people who are questioning their self-worth and their sense of self. So that's a good question, actually. This is a this has been a point of curiosity from those who I feel um, just don't even identify with this culture at all. Right. Um, maybe just maybe even doubt it. Maybe even are like that doesn't jive with science. It's like okay, biology. So, sure. Yeah, which segues us into what I think we're about to talk about next, but that is the queer agenda you know like converting people the agenda so let's let's talk about this because i think this is really this this was like probably the most interesting part of this conversation for me today is yeah. um there are people that uh have raised serious concerns about grooming lately <laughs> sure in my social right. circles and I have my own feelings, of course, about it, but I want to hear your yours first. <laughs> yeah, are we trying to turn everyone gay? No, but I am trying to make the people that are gay more gay. Hey, rainbow <laughs> even harder. Rainbow intensifies. Yeah, um, I'm not trying to make anyone gay, but I am trying to make space for the people that are. Right. Um... I mean, I'll, I'll fine-tune the question please. before before we go there. Specifically, as it as it relates to transitioning, how young are we on board with? Sorry, I'm going to do this because that's a that's a Aunt hard Tom. question. Thank Tom you. Head. Don't call me Ant Head. <laughs> You're an Ant Head. <laughs> I said don't. <laughs> Not during Pride Month. Thank you. <laughs> um, that is a a messy question that I don't have the answer to specifically, largely because I've never had a good example. Like we talk about, like trans people have always been around. As a non-binary trans person, there was little to no representation outside of like vehement hatred growing up for what this should be. So it is this messy new thing and we do need to We do need to, like, help our children. But a big misconception that I see that I don't think is talked about is I I don't know the numbers of how many children receive gender-affirming surgery. I do know the vast majority of gender-affirming care 
comes down to basic respect. It's about using someone's preferred pronouns, about using someone's preferred name, and allowing them to present themselves in the way that makes them feel most themselves. And that is what is under attack. I don't think that there are doctors out there who are just trying to perform surgery willy-nilly, and this is a little bit of a sidebar, but like, we've never had a problem with like girls getting boob or nose jobs at a young age. So like, maybe this is kind of a false equivalency, you know, of like this mutilation. But the vast majority of the care that we are trying to hold space for with this young generation who is trying to find themselves is just base respect and acceptance. I like what you said about uh, being willing to use preferred pronouns specifically and, and like accepting people how they want to be perceived, how they, how they feel they are. Um, because that kind of gets me onto this next line of thought is, would any of these young individuals feel the need to receive that gender affirming surgery if they weren't getting, you know, that kind of uh, interaction with people? I would assume yes, sure. I don't know if it would be like uh, completely tip the scales one way or the other, but like I think it would have an effect. Um, you know, treating, treating people nicely would probably make someone act differently in the world. Right. So if we can't treat these individuals the way that they're preferred to be treated from the beginning, why should we? Yeah, I get that. There we go. Yeah. I guess I guess what really prompts it is I want to say there was like an article or something that I saw where some uh, surgeon was being sued because mm -hmm. the, yeah and, and I don't know if it's real I, but I haven't heard this article but it <laughs> seems like a familiar story yeah right no it's I mean it's it's so hard to say because again it's all hypothetical. We've never lived in a world that even remotely is base accepting. And something that I have a problem with, and I see that it's levied in so many different conversations, whether it's about sexuality, uh, gender identity, race, uh, what have you, that we, we like to spin out on this hypothetical of like, oh, we're just gonna push to the far other side and like, now we're gonna kill all men or like whatever. And we use that as a means of not even getting to the center point. We're so afraid, we're so easily manipulated in our fear that we don't allow ourselves to even experience what equality is. And when we're constantly doing this, the pendulum has never moved. It's been right here the whole time. So we can spin out on hypotheticals, but name one time when the pendulum was actually just hanging in place. It's never happened. And so that's like, when people bring up these arguments, it's like, okay, yeah, that could happen. That could be something that could exist. But what is the history? What is the world that we've all lived within our entire lives? What is the world we've subjected our children to their entire lives? And that speaks louder than a hypothetical to me. And what this comes down to, are we trying to convert kids to being gay. I don't want to turn your straight kids gay. I want my gay kids to live. And that's really it. And if I were to give like a an age, I would say maybe 15, 16. 
that's when folks can start driving. That seems like a pretty serious decision to make to just like operate a a, a giant vehicle. A death machine. Sure, you know. <laughs> we're gonna uh, have to weigh in on this conversation at some point. Right. So like, <laughs> right. if I were to have to like pick a, an age, probably around there, because that seems like the general understood idea of like beginning to be responsible right for oneself and i don't i think it, i i in my conservative mind would put it at like 25ish like even when, 18 yeah maybe right my 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 logic i guess follows as such like most of the development is done by that age but i don't know you know maybe that's not that's i think not forcing when it, you should explore it but Sorry to interrupt. Please. Um, I think forcing a trans person to go through uh, the hormonal de development in the body that they don't want to be in, right? That's another... Is some, some sort of torture, yeah. right? Totally. And because it does get painted as so <laughs> black and white. Like, it, it is just genital mutilation and grooming and predatory behavior when, like, intersex people have always existed and they've been forced into one form of existence. There's so many, like, variations within the human genome that we like to just say, like, X or Y. But that's not, that's not actually the science. That's an incredibly limited sense. And I, I'm not a scientist either. I can't speak to the exact measures of genetic code. But... People like us have always existed. And it's hard for me to say, like, arbitrarily what the age should be because I personally have, like, never felt like I needed to transition. I just wanted to stop being forced into one role in society. And again, that is the vast majority of gender-affirming care is just base respect and love and acceptance, holding space for a child to be themselves. Like that's what this comes down to. And so many of these arguments get presented and they're such straw man arguments for the means of being able to derail a movement that is based around inclusion and acceptance. When one group of people is not accepting, one group of people is enculturing our children into a, a predatory system. And I'll give you one guess who it is. <laughs> I don't want to use that guess. <laughs> you can hold on to it. Save it for later. All pay, right. Uh, double it and pay it forward. <laughs> um, so, like, that's a lot of big emotion. And I, I appreciate you both holding space to share all of that. What do you feel like we can do to help support our queers? Keep holding that space. Um, allowing people to be themselves. Uh, march to the beat of their own drum. Requiring everyone to go walk about at some point in their life. <laughs> Rumspringer. I mean, it's I mandated now. Sorry, folks. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's some, you know, some wisdom in that, you know? Truly. Uh, my worldview changed so astronomically moving to New York being in a place where it's like just about every culture imaginable is here and at least in the culture of New York maybe not the powers that rule but in the culture of New York there's not 
one group of people that's like prized over another. Like we're all New Yorkers. We're all trying to get to work on time. And like if one person drops their shit, everyone around you is going to stop and help you pick it up. But they're not going to like fuss and whatever else. They've got places to be. And exiting a culture like the one that we're all from and indoctrinated into, being able to experience something so vastly outside of yourself, I think is the key to change. It's why I think that these metropolitan areas are so blue, as we like to describe it, not because there's this liberal CRT programming or whatever going on, it's because we are all around each other all the time. We have no choice but to empathize with each other because we can't turn a blind eye. We're all on the subway together. It's not like here where you're in your house, your little box, you get into your car, another little box, you go to your job, a different box. Or you and go to your church. Yeah, and there's no connection box. with the people around you. <laughs> Everyone around you is a valid human. And having that experience of seeing the validity of everyone around you without the judgment of how you think they should be that's like the most powerful experience i've ever had in my life but yeah like how how can we how can we stop perceiving well so because it's it's a very voluntary game right if if uh we leave it in capitalism's hands right now um now that's a blanket statement obviously but Mm -hmm. but uh I can't force those the powers that be to spend time with opposite opposite paradigms, you know. Right. Although I I feel that like that would be very healing for both of those paradigms. I can't force that. How could I encourage it though? Right. What how what would you do to incentivize it? I think it comes to transparency. Like like you have to emulate it. That's the only power you have anymore. And sharing the beauty of this community that we're all a part of. Like how vibrant and loving and accepting this is. And I think that we all want to feel accepted for our truest selves. And I think that the reason that so many people feel the need to like push others down is because they have never felt that acceptance themselves. And it's like, well, how can you have that when I don't get that? Mm. I think the people who are the most vehemently against queer culture are the people that are it the most and that scares them Mm. and they've never had someone hold the space for them to let that down at your next family reunion let's do a drag show that's that's one way to do it (laughs) yeah i'm gonna make everyone be in drag (laughs) everyone gets to dress up do the makeup i dig i mean straight culture already is taking art and entertainment from queer culture. So always. Just like lean into it, like it's fine, it's gay, it's queer, and it's fabulous, darling. Yes, queen. I like that. Yeah. Shantae, you stay. It's just like I think maybe a way to blend it is get lost in the fantasy of it all. Mm-hmm. Like just like live your best life, right? Like they're pretty vague statements, but I think there is some truth to it. Like, you know that it feels fabulous to look good and feel good about yourself. Like, mm-hmm. if we can all encourage that within ourselves and each other, I think uh, 
the dividing lines will become uh, a little bit more faded. Right. And tying it back to that, that last question, like, I think beginning to acknowledge your own perception of others, uh, the thought that you have when you see someone who triggers a danger sense or just whatever, whatever of these biases and blind spots, if you can acknowledge that, acknowledge the thing you're thinking because it's not you, it's the culture that you're ingratiated in. Uh, if you can acknowledge that thought and then release it and think nothing about that person and just allow that person to be without your perception muddying their depths, I think that that's like the most powerful, radical, activist thing you can do for any of these movements is acknowledging your own bias and beginning to lovingly release it. Y'all have any other thoughts on that? Yeah, I would just say the same thing that I was saying earlier, like, go do something that isn't, like, your normal, like, go try something different. You don't have to go to a drag show, but, like, let the world safely be a little scary. Yeah. And invite that mystery. Totally. Some sort of, like, a safe, safely explore, um adventure with caution uh, it's not quite it mm-hmm. watch a Disney movie damn it <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> oh ducks well, there's, there's been a lot of big emotion here at the park today and thank you again for holding the space and allowing us to share the space with everyone in our favorite month of the year the gay month the gay month the queer month the queer year yeah um but uh I do want to say that there are a couple of uh, pages that I would love to plug. Please. Um, They are specific to Utah and more specifically the Ogden and Salt Lake areas, but they're amazing queer organizations. We're not affiliated, I just love them. Um, The first, and all of these are Instagram accounts, the first is Queer Spectra. They are a queer artists organization that they ha- they hold events and they help uh, supply artists with the means of creating their art. They hold space for young queer people to come and express themselves. Love it. Uh, and that's in Salt Lake City. The second the is V underscore LQ underscore. It's a new local queer zine in Ogden that it again is helping to amplify the voices and talents of the queer community uh, that so desperately needs it. And then the last is uh, one word, Iowa House SLC. And they are a group of trans people and queer people who regularly hold family-style dinners for, for other members of the queer community yep. to be able to, yeah, to be able to come together and share a space without the need to mask or, or hide yourself, but to revel in the, the beauty and power of love and acceptance. Uh, all three of those groups are amazing. If you have the resources to be able to support them, please donate. But even being able to follow their page, share their information, help them get the message out does so much to elevate the voices of the queer community. And what better way to support during the gay month 
<laughs> Seriously though, go do it. Yeah. <sighs> well, dogs, it's getting a little late in the park and I'm feeling some kind of way about this beat. <laughs> I'm thinking I need to go move my body a little bit, but I love you both. I love, love you. you. And you. I love you. I love you both. So much uh, love. Thank you so much for being on the on the show. Yeah, Ron. you're Thanks always welcome me. here in the park. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you all for joining us for this conversation. You are loved. You are accepted. Don't change who you are. And thank you for joining us here in the, the community, community park. park. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> Talking about cuts, we have a Patreon. Yeah, uh, if you want to give us just a little cut, uh, not literally with, with money. Um, or knives. Okay, yeah, if you've got a cool knife or a good chef's knife, a good kitchen knife, we'll take that cut as well. Um, but if you want to support us at, here at the community park, help your local park, uh, we will, we'll put the link to our Patreon uh, down below. Yeah, if you could, if you could bring up one thing to say to your community on mass, that they'll all be able to hear you. What do you want to say? Is, is it an affirmation? Is it a an, a problem you recognize within the community that you want addressed? Uh, feel free to send that to us as well. Uh, community park presents at gmail dot com. Uh, Hit us with your ask, and if you're into it, we'll even uh, invite you into the park to talk about it yourself. Could be a lot of fun. Yeah, just saying. <laughs> <laughs>